Hello and welcome to episode 671 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, April 11th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Justin Mason. We did have a little bit of uh, technical difficulties at the outset here, so I'm going to jump right in at uh, uh, probably about a minute or two into us talking, so it's going to sound like it's kind of coming out of nowhere. Just wanted to let you all know about that, but uh, I think it's even still a little sketchy for the first couple minutes there and then gets going but uh here that episode is right now the state of pitching is is a tough one and i think it's got a lot of people panicked and uncertain of what to do and i'm not sure that we have all the answers because it is indeed april 11th but we're going to talk about some things a couple news bits first uh catching up on some injuries that actually happened shortly after we we recorded which is always great the second that we hang up and uh, you know big news <laughs> comes out but uh, before we do that let's uh, let's do a little hats off here to Adam 1377 who won the uh, the sleeper in the bus part 2 DraftKings league, league on Tuesday well done there um he kind of he kind of rolled yeah like a 9 point you know a 9 point win is a is a pretty substantial win there and he went he pretty went, much wire to wire yeah, he was just uh, out early and and held. I imagine that uh, if that being that that's the case, it's because Alonzo, Conforto, and Nimmo. He went with that mad stack, and they mm-hmm. actually, you know, they only got they only got the eight runs, whereas Minnesota got the fourteen. You could have stacked a, a Twins lineup that probably could have done some damage, but they um, Alonzo with with thirty, Conforto with twenty seven, Nimmo with twenty three. So that built his base. Then his two starters did all right. Granky 22 and uh, Garrett Cole 17.6. Nothing wrong there. Everybody scored, but it was really those four Mets, uh, or excuse me, the three Mets and Paul DeYoung. Uh, and when you can My get boy. Carlos Correa yeah. at uh, at such a cheap, <laughs> I don't tire of that joke. But yeah, he did he did great. Uh, PJH 5165 was was right there at 161. He also kind of separated himself because in the next. Score was 154, and then the next score 140. So there, it, it was a real uh, stratification there with the folks folks mm-hmm. at the top. Yancey rebounded. Um, it was a fluke, stone cold fluke. Yes. You can just look at this garbage lineup and see mm-hmm. what a stone cold fluke this was. Who picks Josh Bagley and gets lucky? Yeah, clown. Uh, Justin Bohr, worst first baseman ever. Clown. Great first uh, name though. Amazing first name. It's funny. I actually love Justin Bohr, <laughs> and he did pick Chad Pinder. He deserved to be in the money there. So yes, he finished 13th Jen three spots out of the, of the money. Heartbreaking. She was pretty frustrated about that. She, she was tracking in the money all, all evening too. Mm-hmm. She had, uh, I'm surprised uh, Brett, she didn't make it. She had a pretty good lineup. Yeah. Brett Anderson, Marco Gonzalez pitching duo, and then Vogelbach, Pinder, Ahmed, like all three of them hitting 15 plus is nice. Cause those are kind of the scrubs. But then Acuna, you know, he did. She did well. He did well as a stud. Yelich let her down, just three points, and that's obviously your big, your big money maker there, mm-hmm. and just five out of Muncie. So, but uh, yeah, and I was fifty fifth, I think. Yeah, at seventy nine points. And let's see where you were. Did you beat me? Uh, no, sixty seven. Yeah. Why do you play? Uh, you know what? I actually had a really good DFS night that night. Uh, I finished in seventh. Oh, you had Lucchese too. Look at us. Go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, fin- in- I finished seventh in uh, in Tout Daily. Uh, Not with Lucchese, I would take it. No, I had Gonzalez and somebody else who who uh, who dealt. Um, I should probably I could probably bring up my my DraftKings account and. It's uh, interesting how the 
off days worked there that so many of the same guys were pitching in each of the two Tuesdays that we've done this? Because obviously with a week and five-man rotations, you wouldn't normally expect to see so many of the same guys. But Marco Gonzalez uh, was someone who got me in the money two weeks ago. Uh, you know, Granky was somebody who, who Jen had two weeks ago. And uh, there were a couple others. I, I believe Cole was was on both of them. It's just kind of funny how these off days are really setting guys up. They're almost on that. Uh, I, b- I believe it's a Japanese schedule that uses the once a week. Mm-hmm. And it, it's almost like our guys are kind of like that at this point with uh, well, with yeah, all with these all, off days. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, we don't we don't have it under a league. I can't remember. Or, uh... Shouldn't it be under a contest and then just search, search history? It can't well, be that. Yeah, much. yeah. Unless you're playing I, hundreds I, a day. I'm playing a lot of contests. Okay, right now, okay. So for me, um, like I'm playing like two a day. So finding the sleeper in the bus one from Tuesday was was pretty no, easy. Yeah, I'm I'm playing yeah like at least twenty something lineups a day oh, or dang. something okay. like that. Okay. So you're out. It's there. Uh, yeah. So uh, my tout my tail daily one at least that one's in a league, so it's easier to find. Uh, I had uh, Cole and uh, Marco Gonzalez uh, starting Very pitchers. Nice um, uh, Grandal who hit two home runs. Uh, I had Bohr, um and and Conforto in, in that lineup as well. Uh, it actually would have been, and this was one of my better lineups, or I think it was my second best lineup of the day. Uh, it would have been much better had I not slept through the lock. Oh, you could have made some adjustments. Yeah, because I ended up taking two zeros oh, in that, and line. you still finished seven. Yeah, so uh, you know, I ended up, I ended up rost- having to roster two guys I never would have rostered just because of the late swap and stuff. Uh, someone hey. named Jonathan Daz. <laughs> oh, oh, the uh, the Colorado guy. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, he was and, super uh, cheap. And then Ian Kinsler. Well, just because they were the only guys who were st- who hadn't started playing by the time I woke mm-hmm. up that day, uh, overslept my alarm, messed up my article for fantasy alarm. It, it was it was a really rough day, but actually a really profitable one. Uh, and I, I had that lineup in a GPP, and was like, and I did the math. I was like, oh, if I could have started anybody who scored like fifteen points from each spot, I probably would have won that GPP for like two grand. Holy crap, that would have been nice. No big scores for me so far, but uh, but 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 enjoying playing and you know watching Jen kind of learn through it and and learn the heartache. <laughs> babe, babe, if you're listening, you can't win every day. You just yeah. Well, can't. especially if you if you play in these kind of tourneys, if you yeah. want to win every day, go play cash games. Go go play your fifty fifties and yeah, play, uh, play the double. And I told her about the double ups, but mm-hmm. you know. Those aren't as fun. Joined. Those aren't. I know. I know. It's just playing her one dollar and everything, and uh, you know, already learning some of the rules. You know, she sends her lineup, and it's Colorado stacked, and I'm like, that's my girl. She <laughs> she learned she learned very quickly on that. But anyway, let's talk some pitching here. Uh, we updated on Clayton Kershaw on Monday's episode, suggesting that he could be back on Sunday. It's official now, Monday. Yeah, so this is why I said don't 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 like use him in a weekly league. Yeah. Uh, it just didn't make I, I would want to see one anyway, even though I'm a guy who generally starts my, my players because it wasn't set in stone. Even If it had been set in stone, I would have started Kershaw on Sunday and I would have put him in the lineup. But since it was flimsy, yeah, hopefully you didn't you didn't put him in. And now you get to uh, have him ready for Monday and just uh, go from there. So I kind of like that. It's going to be against Cincinnati, I think, at home. And uh, yeah. I, I would be putting him in my lineup at that point. Are you somebody who does the wait and see, or, or would you be putting a Kershaw straight away? 
you know, that's one that I'll actually probably make the decision the day of. Cincinnati's offense has been really bad, but started to pick it up as of late. Well, Kershaw's no way in Chen, though. Yeah, well, you he did wake up those pads. It will be a Cincy at home, a Milwaukee in Milwaukee two starter for Kershaw in a weekly league. I, I'm starting him, so it's more yeah. of in a daily daily moves transaction league uh, where I'll I'll kind of maybe I guess you want to start him if you're gonna if you're gonna use him later on in the week anyways uh, against Milwaukee. You would hate to have to bench him for a two start week in a daily move. So yeah, I'm probably right. starting him Monday. Come on, Kirsch. Do do your thing, man. Uh, like I said, and we're going to get into it more here, the, the pitching landscape right now just hasn't been that Brutal. good. So here's hoping that uh, that Kershaw can come back and be Kershawian for us because uh, it's, it's it's been ugly. And I don't even really have shares. I think I have just the one that I drafted in Arizona at the, uh, at the fall mm-hmm. league there and then didn't really end up with him anywhere else. But uh, – this comes on the heels. So it's Kershaw starting on Monday comes on the heels of two devastating pieces of news. We also talked about this on Monday, Mike Clevenger with the upper back tightness. Oh, he'll be fine. They, they said it's going to be good. It's no big deal. <laughs> Don't worry about that it. That came out of nowhere. I mean, that. Kaboom. It they dropped was, the hammer. Oh, not two even months pick before up he a touches ball. a ball. Yeah, six to yeah. eight weeks. That's, uh, that's brutal, especially for me because. Uh, he's my ace in TGFBI. Well, that's where what I was say, though. I'm in my Anybody top. that has him. Yeah. I'm, like he was an ace. Yeah. He was my ace there. I, I waited to the fourth round to grab my first pitcher, uh, because of just the pitching runs that kind of went on and where I was at in the draft, uh, grabbed him and he had been really carrying my team. Um, in the, I've been in the top 20 in the overall, uh, pretty much the entire season thus far. Uh, and that's going to hurt. That's really going to hurt because I don't it's have a... the pitching depth behind him to sustain this. Oh, you're just like Cleveland then because neither do they. It's a uh, it's a terrace major strain. Um, so it is, it is that upper back situation, but it's obviously just become a much bigger deal here. You know, one of the things that I probably should have, uh, you know, discussed and I even considered, I didn't really know exactly where to put it in the piece but I did, you know, the 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 ten. I did uh, ten velo gainers, mm-hmm. and um, he was huge. He was the top dog, actually. He and Martin Perez are the top two at at point plus two point nine. And I'm I was comparing so far this year to all of April last year, not all of their whole season. But one of the things I didn't mention is that velo is awesome, but it is probably a bigger injury potential uh, mm-hmm. than. Pretty much anything else. Well, it's one of the things and, we look for. Usually it's the other way. Like, oh, my God, all yes. of a sudden this guy's lost a whole bunch. Is we, he already hurt? Yeah. But don't we always talk about how, like, right before someone blows out their UCL, you usually see, like, this weird velo uptick? Correct. And so, so. that – thankfully that's not what this is with with uh, Clevenger. But if you think about, you know, adding velo, especially if it's – It's not like back it, issues or – You know, if it's coming from, like – you know, just being more aggressive in their mechanics, you can understand how that would cause back issues or strains uh, elsewhere. And so it's a huge bummer. I mean, it's a devastator for clubs, especially if, if maybe they have a number one who wasn't doing, you know, imagine coming out thinking you got sale club dog and you're like, 
yes, dude, I am <laughs> set. And now look where you're at. You got Sale uh, grinding it, fi- trying to figure it out, and Clevenger on the on the shelf for six to eight before they pick up a baseball. Are you more or less worried about Sale following this last start, where he was hitting 95 at times? See, that's not fair. I was going to ask you that question mm. verbatim. Um, uh, I mean, I, I can answer it. Like yeah, I, well, you'll get to answer it after then, I guess. I'm, I'm less worried right now. Here's why. It's bad, right? He doesn't really know what's going on. And I'll tell you what, though. Watching him talk about it, watching Chris Sale discuss it, kind of made me feel okay about it. Because I don't think he's hurt. I think he's just trying to figure it out. And I felt a little bad for kind of like the despair in his eyes, like, I don't know what's going on, guys. If I did, I would fix it. <laughs> but I do trust that he's going to figure it out and and get it fixed. I feel like maybe he wouldn't have said it in an interview right there at his locker, like, oh, I'm hurt, that's why. But I do feel like if he was hurt, he'd already be on the shelf. It's an easy, it's an easy thing to just throw him on the 10-day if anything was going on with Chris Sale to then give him a break. I think he's just trying to figure it out. I think he's going to. Yeah, it was bad. The cold weather games especially, by the way, I, I maybe it's because I despise the cold so much. And uh, Sale, as I often joke, is built like me. So there's no way his his body was digging 41 and sideways rain. Uh, actually, I don't think it was, there was that much rain. But no, I, I think it was, it was just disgusting and windy uh, at 41 degrees. And that's not a great – that's not a great environment to try to get stuff back and figure it out. You know, if you really look at it, then it's, it's, it's two bad starts out of the three because the Oakland start, while it didn't have his strikeouts that we want or the velo from sale, he grinded it out and, and three hits, just the Matt Chapman Homer. And, and you're, you're okay there. I, I think he's going to be fine. I'm really not worried about him. I would actually be interested in buying Chris sale if I could get a, a, an actual yeah. discount. Yeah, I I'm right there with you. I is don't get me wrong, the velocity issues seemed in the back of my mind I was freaking out even though I have no shares. Sure. Uh but cuz I thought they were indicating injury. Mm-hmm, but in kind of my uh I don't know what the term for it is. Uh but really I I wasn't concerned the entire way just because the the Red Sox are a good organization, and they do their due diligence, and they just signed him to a long-term extension. Like, I don't think if they thought there was anything physically wrong with him that they would, one, have him out there, like you said, but two, like, give him a long-term deal. I just, I feel pretty good about the or- organization as a whole to not make a mistake think, like that. So Yeah, I think that heartened a lot of folks, too, and I know it's, it can be classified under the fallacy of appealing to authority, but, but at I think least we saw the velocity too this week. So it's, exactly, we know that, it's that spike up was nice. So um, no, I, I I do I do appreciate seeing that, and if and I don't even have like I'm with you. I don't have any sale shares either, but you just want the best to be the best. Yeah, like, you know, fun we, to watch. We, yeah, we want Chris Hale out there dominating. So I think he's gonna be fine if I've got him. I'm I'm just sitting easy on it, and uh, if I don't have him, I'm knocking on some doors, and I'm not going to come with some garbage. You know, I'm not going to insult the person who has sale, thinking that they're going to give him to me for, you know, Colin McHugh, who's been great, but like, give me a break. But like, but like, like, like would you trade Luis Castillo for Chris Sale? 
I, I, I would. And I was going to bring up a guy right, right around that, Jack Flaherty, and see if somebody would want, you know, see if they want to do that. Or maybe it's a Jack Flaherty and my hitter for Chris Sale and their hitter type of deal. Something like that, you know. And, um, you know, Castillo, I, I, I think I would still. As much as I love Castillo and I'm, I'm excited by his start and I absolutely believe he can be a monster, it's still Chris Sale. And Luis Castillo has never done anything close to Chris Sale. So, yes, I, I, I would make that deal. And because Sale's been so good, or uh, excuse me, Castillo's been so good, you might be able to get that one done in a one-for-one challenge trade. Um, Flaherty's been great too, by the way. But uh, I think it's been a little bit more just kind of people aren't talking about it. It's just kind of, he's just kind of there doing his thing. So, yeah, something like that I, I would be interested in trying to do. By the way, we also got news that uh, Luis Severino – has a bigger issue than, than, than we originally thought, too. Now, it's a separate issue. It, that's that's the thing. It's not it's not uh, an exacerbated issue of, of what he was already dealing with. It's another six. It's another six weeks because of a grade two right lat strain. This is brutal. Now, the only like told you so I'm going to do on this because I didn't tell anybody on Luis Severino, but. Was the Domingo Herman shares of people like, well, he's going to be out in a month, so I'm not drafting him. You stop planning like that. Stop. That's as bad as as super talented rookie doesn't have a spot, so I'm not going to draft him type of deal. You just don't know. Because even if Severino came back, somebody else could have gotten hurt or Savia, had underperformance. Baxton's yeah, had injuries. Yeah, is 100 years old. So if you believed in the talent, especially because he didn't cost a lot. It's not like you were paying some top dollar for Domingo Ramon. Just take him and, and, and ride it out. But now this brings Jonathan Loisiga into the picture a bit. Um, and perhaps both of these guys could stick what, what it would be. Loisiga, Herman, Hap, Paxton, Tanaka, and then you mentioned Sabathia will be coming back. That's six then. I think Loisiga is the odd man out in that case. But as you mentioned, Sabathia is no guarantee. They, they already sent him down, too. Did they already send Loisiga right need, back? Yeah, I don't think they need a fifth starter again for a little while after Tuesday's okay. start. Well, that, so. Yeah, that would make sense then to keep him on track. Um, but with Severino, what what, do you, what are you doing with Severino? Are you cutting? Don't you have him in the main? I do. Would you cut him? I'm. This is He's got to be your last choice, right? This is going to be something I have to debate because – I still have a ton of injuries, even though I did cut C-Mart. Mm-hmm. I had um, to do it. I did it, too. I I'm tried right to there. cut Strickland, and uh, <laughs> I got no one went on through. Yeah, no one went through. Uh, so I'll be cutting Strickland for sure this weekend. I've already got like 40 freaking <laughs> clams put on him. I'm like, he's not going to be on my roster next week. Uh, I still have Sano. Uh, ooh, I don't know if you saw the uh, the gifts of Jimmy Nelson's. Uh, rehab start? Oh, I did. Oh I my did. god! That's I, I found them on the hub. I, I I didn't think that they would be on there, yeah, but uh, no, they they were they were amazing. So they they uh, were great, man. And obviously, I'm you know, we super we, excited. So many shares of Jimmy Nelson. So. Yeah, we preached our excitement for him. And mm-hmm. and what what what's what's his due date, by the way? What are we looking at with Jimmy I Nelson? Think two weeks is what I believe. Fantastic! Just grind out the first month here. I mean, he's in that was in extended spring. He'll make an appearance before joining AAA San Antonio for a minor league rehab assignment. That was as of two days ago. That'd be great. Um, and they think he could be 
in before the end of the month, just just ahead of the end of the month for Jimmy Nelson. That'd be fantastic. So yeah, you got to hang on to him. I think if you're in a situation like mine where you are decimated in injuries, then you make the cut. If you have the room to stash him or the DL space, you obviously just keep him and hold on. But there's a lot of us who are in situations where you know they've got Scooter Jeanette, where they uh, you know ha- have Seamart, where they have a lot of these guys uh, that now you have to start making decisions. And this was my one concern about Severino uh, when I took him in the main event, and I-, I think I've said it a couple times. There's no guarantee we see Severino this season. This could be the Jimmy Nelson of last year, where we held on forever. And then we never saw him. Yep. So uh, that's the scary part. So I, I'm definitely considering dropping him in the main event. Uh, my pitching is doing just fine, <laughs> so I don't necessarily need to, to drop him. I, I've got Snell and uh, and Degrom, uh, and Aaron Sanchez has been great. So uh, like my pitching is doing just fine in the main event. It's it's been my hitting that has uh, suffered and. So I don't necessarily have to drop him, but it's definitely something I have to consider. Yeah, exactly. And and with Severino, and for those that are unaware of the main event situation, is you just get seven bench spots. There's no DL, and it gets tight quickly. And and for Justin, um, it got tight real fast. It was literally tight. It was second. Tight. Yeah, it was it was tight. Literally from the second round. Yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> literally second week he had seven injured guys like he did not have a reserve roster and so that's that's exceedingly difficult to deal with and um you know that and, you know, so- i've gotten a little bit of heat over it considering i drafted a bunch of injured guys too uh i stand by that decision it was a calculated risk uh it's backfired a little bit early on mm-hmm. but i still think i uh i think sometimes you want to take those risks sometimes you don't some people are more risk averse than others and uh, I, funny I, thing is though, aren't, aren't you, don't you declare yourself risk averse? I tend to be generally speaking. So that's, that, that was the interesting part to for, me, for me, knowing was, you, for me, it was, it, it's looking at the value. Yeah. I, I don't want to take the risk when I have to pay for it up top. And I felt like Severino in the 10th round or the 11th round, wherever I got him, uh, Carlos Martinez in the 21st round, like those were worthy gambles because you know most people's tenth round pick or eleventh round pick aren't going to pan out anyways. They're either sure. going to lose value or or uh, or or get exactly what we paid for it. So I'm not necessarily worried that okay if if Severino doesn't pay out, especially because I had such a strong base at the top of my pitching staff uh, that I was willing to do it. I think. I'm fine taking on risk as long as you do it in a smart way. I have a hard time taking on risk when, like, it's a second round pick or a third round Mm -hmm. pick. That's the that's when I start going. Ooh, that that that's where I'm risk averse. No, I I feel that I feel that. Um, And so yeah, it just depends on what the risk is and and always calculating it to see if it's something that that you want to do. But okay, so that's talk about it. I mean, this has been one of your mantras for years. Is uh, I'd rather take the risk on the proven injured talent than the unproven healthy one. Sometimes, correct. So uh, you know, we uh, know the, the skills, skills are there. Yeah. Yes. Give Give me the skills, and I'll gamble health versus just um, you know this guy's healthy. 
you know, so I'm going to take the lesser talent. No, I, I will not do that. Um, and so, no, I, I totally feel that. All right, let's let's dive a little bit deeper here on a little three up, three down type of deal. Just under the guys of, of or under the um, heading of the state of of starting pitching right now. We've already talked about how rough it can be or how rough it's been out there. We got Kershaw coming back, but we lose Clevenger and Severino. We got Nelson coming back. Hopefully that can add to it. But let's highlight some guys who've done well, but then talk about three who've been really bad that had big expectations. And, of course, it is still April 11th, so keep remembering that on both ends, really, right? Because one or two duds from the first three guys we're going to talk about all of a sudden puts them into mediocrity, and two gems out of the the clowns puts them back you know on track of where they're supposed to be but people want to hear thoughts about them right now so let's start with tyler glass now and uh vocal opponent of tyler glass now uh mr paul spore here i've been concerned you ready to apologize i'm definitely not because uh it's april 11th but you know he's been great and uh, it's been it's been fun to watch i watched that start yesterday against Reynaldo Lopez, I'm not gonna freak out, but okay. Yeah, garbage. Should, that, yeah, that that was bad in the one before. Utter was garbage. Bad too. Yeah. The only saving grace there was something that Jason mentioned about what we talked about earlier with regards to sale was the weather that Reynaldo Lopez has pitched in. But holy cow, dude! Like holy cow! And you know the counter is like, well, it didn't affect last night. Well, of course, weather affects people differently. There's some psychopaths who like cold weather for some reason maybe glass now is one of those crazies but uh, he's been unquestionably excellent through three starts 17 innings 33 percent strikeout rate five percent walk rate that is where you're going to get uh, any excitement out of me uh 14 swinging strike for a 0.53 era and a 0.82 whip he's been brilliant um 69 very nice first pitch strike rate working the ball in the zone at a 51 percent clip but still generating chases at 32%. Literally exactly what you would want. And exactly what I would need to see continue. You know, not necessarily at a 0.5. The, the ratios don't worry. But the the walks being down and how he's working in the zone and maintaining his commanding, mechanics for glass now is what I need to see to fully change my tune. Because we've seen spikes we even saw a decent run last year, but then he kind of lost it even within his time with the Rays. So it is still three starts. And what I've always said is I'm not drafting him. Um, I'm not going to pay the freight right now, but I'm going to continue to monitor him. And if he does show that he can continue to maintain his mechanics and not walk the yard, then I'll, I'll say he's changed. He's better. I'm in. I want people. I want pitchers to be good, but I hadn't seen it. And uh, I have seen it now through three starts. I like what's going on with Tower Glass now. Has your assessment of him changed? Because I know you certainly haven't been exactly where I was, but haven't you been kind of in the middle on him? Yeah. Or have... I, I, so, I, I see the talent, and I, I don't think you don't see the talent. Of course. Uh, no, I, I, he can miss bats like crazy. But the hard uh, part this is, is not... he, he just cannot maintain his mechanics over the long period. And I, I think it's been shown to be true uh, that he goes through these hot stretches. Now, what I do like is the change in sequencing. He he's he's attacking hitters as opposed to like trying to nibble on the edges. Nibble fast. Uh, yes. Like he is he is attacking guys. I really like to see that. The last start was super impressive. 
against a White Sox team that's got some pretty hot uh, hitters on, on that team. Yeah. Makata's been Speaking of on hot, fire. And let's make people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Glass now looked dope in that uniform with the socks. <laughs> High socks. The stance, the mm-hmm. stance uh, raised socks. Uh, nah, dude. He looked dope out there. So, you know, he got the swag popping. That that I think that adds like a half mile per hour to to, to when you're fit. I'm kidding, obviously. But no, he did he did look dope out there, just absolutely uh beasting on fools. And you mentioned that the White Sox had some decent hitters going and they had nothing. They yeah. they had nothing out there for glass now. Now, are you at all concerned? And this is not me trying to cut down what he's doing. This is just asking. It's been a two-pitch thing, fastball, curveball. He really kind of has gotten away from the slider that he started to feature a bit with the Rays last year at 14%. It's down to 3%. But is it maybe just a scenario where he hasn't needed anything but, but the two pitches and that's why? Or is there any any thought to the fact that Glasnow has really been a two-pitch guy? I think that it could come back to bite him a little bit. But what he's been doing is saying my stuff is unhittable right now like you need to uh like you need you need to hit me before i have to show that third pitch Mm -hmm. um and it's working like he's getting on top of hitters at almost a 70 percent first strike uh rate Uh, yeah it's i mean it's it's so so good and like you said he's almost 51 percent in the zone he's just challenging guys to catch up to his fastball uh, and with the added, that added extension that he gets, that 97 looks even faster. And so, uh, I, you know what I really like too, um, just quickly, is he hasn't topped 85 pitches yet either. But he's gone five, six, and six. If I can get six regularly, I don't, I don't mind if he's not really going that extra, that extra inning. But um, that the efficiency has just been so impressive for Glass now. Yeah. So I, I think he's gonna have to show either, either either the slider or I mean doesn't he have a change that he barely throws? Yeah, it's it's the slider uh, or the change that he that he can kind of so, mix in at times for glass. Now, like I said last to, year, he's gonna have to slide. show them at some point, it, and I think it's got to be the slider because the change just is. I think the change is garbage. So. Uh, that being said, like don't don't stop what's working for you. Like this is a guy that was tweaking his mechanics uh, in spring training. That's what scared me more than anything. Was this is a guy who struggles maintaining his mechanics and is already uh, he's already struggling <laughs> to to keep them together. And then he found something at the end because now he's he's absolutely killing it. So the question becomes: Would you sell high right now? I, and I feel I, like I, I might. I don't think. Well, what what are you getting? Because I don't know what the state of pitching that I can. I think I got to ride it out. Yeah, but the, um, let's see. I'm trying to think of a, maybe a guy who was you know a couple tiers above him, uh, in terms of ADP that may be struggling. Like, do you think you could get Miles Miklas? You probably could. I don't know if I want to. Oh, really? I liked I liked my Miles Michaelis for sure. I I might just ride this one out, okay? Because let me let me paint the scenario of being a a glass now believer and everything. My my sense my my loose stereotype of a, a glass now believer is that they weren't 
they, they like to kind of live in the mid to back end tiers of the pitching anyway. So they probably stacked a lot of guys in that range betting on, on the upside talent. They've got one of them really clicking here. And I think that they would rather just kind of go with like, they, they kind of believe in what they've, what they've done with their assessment. You know, they probably got like glass now and, and Brad Peacock and Colin McHugh and Jimmy Nelson waiting in the wings. Like, I feel like they did they, they kind of live in there. They probably have Chris Paddock. Too. <laughs> Again, I'm just making this up, but like, I don't know. I just don't know that they would have top tier pitching. And so when you, when you do get one of them to click, I'm more inclined to, I, I don't know if, I guess Michaelis and I was a Michaelis guy coming in and I'm not fully off him. We're actually going to get into him here in a moment. Um, because even a good Michaelis is not a strikeout guy. So that's, probably why i would not okay want to do well that. let me give you a different scenario you go to the zach wheeler owner oh yeah now you're talking my language and you go hey listen uh glasnow's figured it out why don't you you know I'll i give think you... we gotta do a two for there yeah 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 that's what i'm saying a little like suspicious you, as, you a, go, uh, go, as a challenge trade you go glass now and a piece for you know, Wheeler in a piece, or even glass yeah. now for Wheeler in a piece, and just go, listen, Wheeler's not great, but I need a little bit of boost to my offense. Yep. You know, glass has obviously figured it out, and, you know, and hope that he either takes it or says, no, nah, you got to give me something else back. You, you negotiate. Um, but, like, I would totally buy low on on Wheeler, and I think, I think glass now for Wheeler are probably going to be about the same spot in my next ranks. Yeah, I, I can get behind that. That you're speaking my language there. Like I said, Wheeler's somebody I really like, and I'm not I'm not worried about him. Um, and so that is something I'd be more interested in, whether it was a two for one or a two for two, where I'm getting the hitter the hitter upgrade. And to me, I feel like I'd be going kind of stationary on the pitcher, whereas someone I'm trading with might be thinking, "Hey, I'm getting up from under this Wheeler struggle." And getting glass now. So, yeah, that's something I would definitely do um, and entertain it that way. But I'm keeping close eye. And like I said, and I've, I feel like I've been consistent here. If he maintains gains like this, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that he's not great. He's been great through three starts. I do need more, though. That That's the thing. Like, it's not – the reason it's not victory lap time is because I've never doubted that Tyler Glass now can drop three great starts. It's it's not been a matter of stuff. It's a matter of consistency. And, and Correct. Can he maintain Thank those mechanics through a season? And that doesn't mean never have a bad start. The first bad start, I'm not going to come on here and be like, ha I told y'all. I will. No, I'm just <laughs> but if the first bad start has seven walks, you know, then I'll be like, son of a gun, dude. Like, this is... This is what I'm talking about. But yeah, you know, if it's a bad start and it has two walks, but he just gets knocked around the yard a little bit, there's nothing wrong with that for Glass now or for any pitcher. So yeah, I'm keeping a close eye, but he's been unquestionably excellent so far. If you've got him, uh, hang on to him unless you can find a trade similar to the one that that uh, that Justin outlined there. Let's move over to Florida or Miami real quick. Talk about uh, one of their guys. We probably could talk about a host of them because they've had some, some real interesting uh, starting pitching this year. And it, it had some intrigue coming in. There were folks that were definitely interested in it. Uh, I know you love Caleb Smith. You won't shut up about how great he is. We get it. You love him. <laughs> but uh, Trevor Richards has been has been really interesting. He was one of the ones that uh, I think got more of the hype uh, of the group 
because of what he did last year. That changeup was really a nice swing and miss pitch. He ended up having a 24% strikeout rate through 126 innings. So decent little sample and some some good strikeouts. The ratios weren't great, so Richards was really only a deep league guy. But through three starts this year, he's got 25% strikeout rate now, 15% swinging strike. I really like to see that. A 2 ERA and a 111 whip. He is walking the yard at 14%, but he's not allowing any hit. So it's like, I'll put you on. I'm not going to give in because I'm going to strike out the next guy kind of deal in his in his short sample so far. He's gotten away from the fastball a bit, only throwing it 41% of the time because his fastball isn't good, favoring an 85-mile-per-hour cutter. That's an interesting change that I, that I am in, intrigued by with Trevor Richards. Can he maintain ratios strong enough to be in all formats play in your mind for Trevor Richards? Mm, depends on that, what deep, how deep of a league we're talking about. Like I, all formats. I'm, I'm no, can, like can I don't be, think I don't think he can be a ten team starter okay. long term. I think this is uh, bound with the amount of walks he's getting. It's in the way the ball is flying out of the yard this year. This is bound to end poorly at some point. That being said, I have shares, and I'm going to continue to ride them while he's hot, especially considering he plays in Miami with that uh, kind of cavernous stadium. So uh, I think he is a guy that you, you continue to ride, and then when uh, the walks really come back to haunt him, you kind of drop him for the next guy. He's getting extremely lucky right now. I mean, we, we got like a 209 BABIP. He's giving up a, a, a decent amount of hard contact. I want to say like in the thirty, like high thirties, uh, yeah, thirty six, yeah, thirty six. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's not like it's not like Trevor Williams who like Trevor Williams has been doing things with where he's really getting a lot of soft contact. Like Richards is not getting a lot of soft. It's only a thirteen percent soft contact. Uh, he's he's just really getting lucky right now, but. Uh, sometimes that works for a little while, and and we'll sure. see how it goes. Yeah, I, um, one of the things I've noticed too with Trevor Richards is it's really high fly ball rate. The fly ball rate has spiked up to forty seven percent, and yet the uh, homer to fly ball rate is only at five percent. It was eleven percent last year, which is kind of average. If it trickles back toward average, that ERA is obviously going up. And if there's guys on base via walks, all of a sudden you're back in the four thirty range of an ERA. And, um, you know, the, the whip, the whip, I don't think will be good enough to sustain. So you look at a two ERA and a one eleven whip combo and while one eleven whip is good, it, it's not what goes with a two ERA. So you, you kind of figure one of them's going to go up and for me, it's good. Or one of them's going to change. And for me, it's going to be the ERA going up. So it's been good right now while it's working. I still think Trevor Richards is a deeply guy. You take the strikeouts, you uh, you take on the mediocre to poor ratios, depending on uh, just how high it goes. If he's back in the 442-139 range of last year, is he someone that you, you cut or just spot start at home? How, how would you approach him then if, if, if we're you know eight starts in and, and he's right back where he was last year but still missing a ton of bats? Oh, I'm spot starting him at home. Like he's, okay. he gets the Caleb Smith treatment for me. Yeah, three eighty six, one nineteen at home last year for Trevor Richards. So I think at, at worst he's a home starter. I don't even think you really need to cut him right now. You're just kind of riding it, um, and he did survive in whole, Cincy. That whole rotation. I mean, outside of yeah. Jose Urena, who's just been god awful. Oh my goodness. Uh, uh, 
like all, all all four of the other guys are like these are home streamers, and so when you see you kind of gotta keep checking on their schedule and see what they have coming up. But you know, their guys where it's like okay, he's got two or three home starts lined up. Yeah, he's he's being used. And if I see like oh wait, man, they're about to go on a really long road trip, then I may drop him and just go grab someone else for those two to three, you know two to three starts. Yeah, de- depending how long it is, and if you see somebody else that you want to get, particularly in like a shallower league, so. Yeah. Keep that in mind. That's Trevor Richards and and the rest of the Marlins. Uh, you mentioned Miles Michaelis, and like I said, we will we will dive in on him on the on the three down segment. But Merrill Kelly was drawing comps to Michaelis coming over uh, from overseas this year. It was kind of the easy comp, um, you know, as somebody who Lazy didn't really comp. do much. Lazy. I mean, is it though? I mean, I thought it was, but but why? Why complicate a comp, a comp that, that that actually worked? I mean, you 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 start at that point and then you kind of go from there. I, to say it was like a one to one, obviously would uh, would be misleading. But I mean, I think of course that's where you start, right. and you say, okay, Merrill Kelly is he going to be the next Miles Michaelis? No, here's why. This is kind of his foundation, and you go from there. Uh, bottom line is though, he's been strong. Yes. Um, 257 ERA, 0.79 whip, 23% strikeout rate, 4% walk rate, only 7% on the swinging strikes. So it looks like that strikeout rate might be riding a bit high. And uh, so then all of a sudden you are cutting a statistical profile that kind of looks like uh, what what Miles Michaelis is going to have if the strikeouts come back down and he continues to not walk anybody. He decimated Boston, which was really impressive. Eight innings of one run ball with nine strikeouts and zero walks, but then just three strikeouts at San Diego in his six innings of work. So Merrill Kelly is probably somebody who's still available in shallower leagues, but how are you assessing him now through a couple starts as as we really start to get into the uh, uh, into the meat of the schedule here, uh, he's definitely very interesting. There was like a concern during spring training where like his velocity all of a sudden went from like I want to say it was like ninety ninety three to uh, eighty nine all of a sudden, and like a lot of people were getting really scared because they're like this is one of those popular wide awake sleepers as you would call it. Uh, that a lot of people were jumping on board uh, in the kind of the middle of draft season. Um, I've been somewhat impressed so far. The, the fastball has been uh, good. I really, I really like the change. Um, I think this is sustainable. And I think this is a guy that, uh, like you said, available in deeper or in, in shallower formats. uh, And he has very, very good control. Um, I think there is more strikeout stuff in there uh, than what we've seen thus far um, uh, in terms of uh, like a swing strike rate, like that Boston, that Boston game uh, sitting down and watching that the other day was, uh, it was pretty eye opening, like how he kind of just picked apart their hitters in what is one of the best lineups in all of baseball. So uh, I think especially at home, he may get a boost from the humidor. uh, And maybe that's why he uh, was so dominant uh, versus Boston as opposed to against yep. San Diego on the road. So uh, I, I think he's, these new balls uh, <laughs> that oh, are, uh, like, killing people out there, um, I'm I'm wondering because we're seeing some, some interesting starts come out of Arizona with that humidor. So, uh, you know, obviously small sample, things could change on a dime, but it's something I'm definitely paying attention to. That might be the only salvation because everywhere else sucks. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, and it depends just, on what you like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, if you like pitching, any pitching, uh, it's good been, luck. It's been brutal. It's been it's really been absolutely brutal. rough. I mean, uh, one of the things I've noticed, and I, I mentioned it when we were uh, texting uh, with Eno and Jason, um, you guys were talking about it. It's like uh, doing all this DFS content over at Fantasy Alarm. I'm really uh, digging into individ- individual players, a lot of individual players on a nightly basis. And the the overwhelming trend is just a huge jump in launch angle and a huge jump in exit velocity and yeah, really barrel percentage. Everything's um, soaring. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous. Add in the ball itself is probably is very likely juiced. Well, I and... think that I think I think those are correlated. I, I think we're seeing those huge jumps in these things because of the ball and the way it's... that the ball is coming out of pitchers' hands and. And and, uh, and then coming off of bats, it's I think guys are really just uh, taking advantage of this juice ball. It's insane. It's it's seventeen again, and perhaps even twenty seventeen plus at this point. Um, and so you start to see maybe some of the mid level players that are having homer breakouts. You might be able to start buying into it. Uh, you know, you know, Ellis Andrews hit twenty in twenty seventeen. There are a ton of guys that were just coming out of nowhere to pop fifteen to twenty. You might want to believe in those sooner. Well, but, and uh, if you're in a position in a league right now where you're behind in power, you may want to start thinking about making some moves. Because if the power's yeah, up, it can, means you fall. need to get more power in Thank order to you. keep up. So yes. um, it's uh, if you're power deficient, then now is the time uh, before we start really seeing this. Uh, uh, the weather this, heat up and yeah. things. Yeah. Because it's not a, oh, well, there's plenty out there. I'll be fine. No, it's a, I'm going to fall so far behind so fast if I don't hurry up. Uh, And I I agree with that, and I'm feeling that pinch a little bit in in the main. Yeah, that's where I'm I'm, feeling it, too, because I lost Denton. I'm I'm looking out for it, and uh, it's it's crazy. But let's talk about these three, these guys that are down, and I want to get your thoughts on what we've seen so far and and what, if anything, you're doing with them. Let's start with... uh, I think it was Scott Pianowski who called him this, but it was such a funny thing because it was accurate. America's sleeper, Nick Pavetta, <laughs> because, he, you know, what's the most wide awake you can be? I, you know, I like the term wide awake sleeper. Like this is a freaking Red Bull sleeper. It's like so caffeinated. You cannot sleep. There's nothing sleeperish about Nick Pavetta. Everyone was in on him. And I'll tell you what. That saved me because I didn't get any shares. Oh my god! <laughs> and like I'm not even mad about it, obviously, because things have not been going well for Pavetta. He's been really, really rough. Actually, pardon me, I, I did. We got one in the best ball, so uh, I, I, I have shares shareless. everywhere. But I have uh, so many shares. And listen, I I definitely understood the intrigue. I was I was, you know, part of making him America's sleeper. He's been devastating bad and not even giving you the strikeouts um, to, to kind of cover 20% strikeout rate That's still walking 7% the homers though and that was the thing for me where I was like I saw some of the some of the levels he was being pushed up to and I'm like well we still got a home run issue to deal with I like him I think he can improve on last year's 477 but for me there was kind of a cap of like a mid threes kind of guy for Nick Pavetta because of the homers. And he's at 2.0 right now to go with a super cool 16.2 hits per nine. <laughs> God, it's been absolutely awful. Um, the funny thing about the homers uh, at 2.0 is that he has a homer 
a, a zero homer start. Um, his most recent start, he didn't even allow any homers yesterday. It was all hits and uh, seven seven runs on seven hits. So it's obviously been terrible. Nine forty five ERA, eight billion WHIP, two point one eight WHIP. What are you doing with Nick Pavetta? In uh, it, it, you can't really cut him in the deeper leagues, I don't think, because I just don't think you're going to find anything worth gambling on. Obviously, reserve him. But let's talk ten and twelve teamers. What are you doing with Nick Pavetta? I'm not freaking out. You're freaking out. No, I'm not freaking out. You are. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think this is something you want to overreact to. We're getting a lot of questions on Twitter on like, what do I do with Nick Pavetta? And I think the answer is in every format you bench him. But I mean, I guess in 10 team leagues, you could cut him, but I would hate to do that. And then the good work goes on someone else's roster. Mm -hmm. So like, my biggest concern isn't with the home runs because we knew that he was going to give up home runs. That just was, you know, that's just part of who he is and what his profile is, um, is that he's going to probably give up more home runs than he should, but he's going to get you a ton of strikeouts. Uh, you know, he made improvements in, in his command last year. That makes you think that he, you know, when he gives up the home run, it won't be with a bunch of people on base. Uh my biggest concern and mostly has been like where the strikeouts go. Like yeah. the swinging strike rate is down. The, uh, his O swing is down. Uh, he's giving up more contact within the zone. Uh, he's giving up more contact outside of the zone. Like, like that's the scary part for me is, uh, the the one benefit you thought you were going to get, or you knew you were going to get from Pavetta, you're not getting. And the walks have gone up, the strikeouts have gone down. Uh, I haven't checked his velocity readings, but um, his velocity is like right in line with where it probably should be right now. So I wonder if it's a mechanical issue with Pavetta too, or if it, maybe he's tipping. Or I mean, this is awful. Like this is this is. Well, and the, you know, the weird thing clubbed. is he's done it differently in the last two starts. So in his first two starts of the season, he wasn't walking. He gave up one walk each game, um, but he was giving up the homers. And then last game versus Washington, a team who really creams the ball and hits a lot of homers, mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't give up any homers, but he walks the yard. So, like, what? What the heck is going on here? It just and he's just giving up a ton of contact. He's got to get out of. He's got to get out of the zone. Uh, is I think his main problem. Uh, and his you know his uh, you know to steal a, a Nick Pollock line. His money pitch from last year isn't mm. isn't good right now. No, not not at all. And with Nick Pavetta, it's just it's just so bad. Um, I think this requires a, a would you rather for shallower leagues. So let me pull up some roster rates here and start to uh, throw some names. All right, going, going, uh, let's see, sub 50%. So they're gonna be available in, in more of the leagues here. Uh, Matthew Boyd or Nick Pavetta? Boyd. Carlos Rodon or Nick Pavetta? Pavetta. I kind of know where you're going to go here, but uh, let me let me look at a schedule for next week real quick. So Pavetta's going to have the two start against the Mets at home and at Colorado. 
This guy, Trevor Williams, gets one at home against San Francisco. Who would you take, Williams or Pavetta? Williams. I think I would, too. Um, you can't start Nick Pavetta in Colorado. Colorado. And like so in a 10-teamer, ten, ten like ESPN is where I'm looking. They usually have like a three-man bench. Mm-hmm. Like if you okay, so if you cut them for next week specifically, and you pick up any of these guys we're talking about, and someone else picks them up, they might just cut them that weekend anyway. Mm-hmm. So you could almost get away with you know taking the start that you want from somebody else, and then if you really want to buy back in on Bavetta, scoop them back next week because Boyd, by the way, is a two start Pittsburgh and White Sox. Well, so you love that. Bavetta just mows down the rock. <laughs> oh, I mean that—that'd be just hilariously like, duh. I mean, as stupid as that he would throws be, throws seven no-hit innings. Yeah, some doesn't walk. <laughs> trash like that. Mm-hmm. The way everything's been going this year. Um, what about one uh, that's been really interesting? And I almost included him on the three-up, but I was trying to not do ones from the same team, and we went with Glass now, so I didn't include Yanni Chirinos. But he's been fantastic. What about Chirinos or no Pavetta? Okay, last one, Domingo Herman. And Herman next week gets Casey. Uh, Herman. And if you cut right now, assuming it's like a, a daily lineups, I believe Herman goes this weekend. So you would get two starts in that it, it, within the next calendar week. I believe. Never mind. They don't need they don't need a fifth starter this week at all. So um, did I look at that right? Did Sabathia already return? I don't. Am I, I stupid? I didn't think he had, but I might be dumb. I might. Well, be dumb. I mean. Well, I mean, I definitely am dumb, but I might be tripping here. Let's see what that. Oh, okay. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. The way I was looking at it, they've got him. Uh, they've got. I, I did the dates wrong. They've got Sabathia returning this weekend. Um for a Saturday start. So anyway, that's neither here nor there, but uh, yeah, that's Nick Pavetta. It's been rough. Next up on the, on the agenda of poop masters here is, uh, you Darvish. Good God. <laughs> now I will tell you this. I was definitely big on you Darvish ranked him high. The, the pit in my stomach that happened when the blister situation came to be was substantial. And given the overwhelming struggles that he's having, although this was his first walk-free outing, he still has 11 and 12 innings, and he didn't walk anybody in five and a third yesterday for Darvish, which tells you where he's been. But um, that absolutely concerned me uh, as, as something that can linger. That seems innocuous, but obviously very much isn't. Blisters are awful for pitchers. Just ask Blister God himself with his crinkly old-ass skin, Rich Hill. <laughs> and... Uh, Darvish, I mean, he's been terrible. Like, there's no, there's no two ways around it. Even yesterday, you know, it looked like he was grinding it out there and going to be able to come away with a decent start. Then he gets into the sixth inning, and I, I think the bullpen, I think it might have been a situation where he left some runners on and the bullpen gave him up. But five runs, four of them earned, and five in the third, four strikeouts, no walks. That's the, that's the one positive factor there. But you add up everything that Darvish is doing, and there isn't a whole lot of positives to take away from it. What are you doing with Darvish? Same sort of deal with as with Pavetta. We know in deeper leagues, I assume you're not cutting him. I know I'm not. I, I'm just going to reserve him. But in the shower leagues, are you starting to cut you, Darvish? Mm, no, I think I'm still holding. 
Okay. I, I, I think yesterday was a product of he didn't have feel for the slider. And so he tried mm-hmm. to come into the zone a little bit too much. I mean, and it, it's reflective in the fact that he he didn't walk anybody. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he just gave up a lot of contact and hard contact uh, because he he couldn't he couldn't get people to chase outside of the zone. So, uh, that being said, he he's had the feel for the slider in his other two starts, and so I'm going I'm benching him, but I'm not uh, I'm not cutting him. Yeah, I, I I just can't cut Darvish yet either. I I just think that's it's too quick, um, and I understand that it's been brutal to deal with uh, with what he's been delivering for you right now with with you, Darvish. But he's got a two start at Miami and home against Arizona next week. Yeah, that that now, that that'll make him feel a little bit better. If, see, I, if have, he's still, I have to start him there. Yeah, I think you're starting him. You're starting him in, in a weekly format. Uh, I I would start him in Miami in a daily format and then kind of make a decision on Arizona after we see because if Agreed. we if we see a bad another bad uh, start versus Miami in that lineup it, it's you cut in and you're not park. getting to that second yeah that second start that park inside you know because he's he's not going to be dealing with the elements. Yep, because uh, yesterday was a forty degree game for Darvish, so you know you can. I mean, I think that that not matters, that he's right? pitched in bad parks other no. than yesterday. I mean, he was but, in but Texas and well, Texas and Atlanta were nasty weather. No, no, no. I meant yesterday. Yes, stuff. yesterday you're, was you're really right. bad, and, no... that's, and that's why I think he lost the slider. It was I think it was super cold. I think he had a hard time feeling things, and uh, and so if he goes in looks atrocious in Miami, then, then you go, okay, this is a really bad sign. Uh, but if, uh, if he looks, uh, back to his normal self, then you keep starting him. I I totally, totally agree with that on, on Darvish there. Um, it's been brutal, but you just got to grind it out a little bit longer. All right. And then miles Michaelis, who we've uh, mentioned here a couple times in passing. Let's, let's dive in now. As I mentioned, he's somebody that I did like. I thought maybe we could see some strikeouts added based on the fact that he isn't some soft toss and clown. He's got some pretty decent stuff. Uh, we have not seen said decent stuff. Still not really walking anybody, although it's funny that uh, there his 5.6% walk rate is actually a pretty decent jump off of what he had last That's year. That's huge. He was so low <laughs> uh, at 3.6%. So it's almost doubled. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. But uh, when your walk rate matches your swinging strike rate, first off, that can never be good because even at the high end, you know, even if you had like a 15% swinging strike rate, you wouldn't want your walk rate matching that. That's like that. Tyler Glass now. Right? You know, it, That's it, Pittsburgh Glass now there. But um, – yeah, so nothing's really going well. Eight, 11% strikeouts, 6% walk, 6% swinging strike, 619 ERA, 131 whip. Homer's going out at a crazy clip, 2.3 right now for Michaelis. Um, nothing's really working for him. The funny thing is, as far as like um, his actual starts, though, we're one inning away, one inning in Pittsburgh away from two of his three being baseline quality starts. Which, yeah. which is fine. I know it's a 450 ERA, but it's like we're right there. And so opening day, he gives up three homers at Milwaukee, five innings, five runs. I'm pretty sure he gave up a boatload of homers in his uh, major league return last year at Milwaukee as well. I'm actually going to look that up. Yeah, 
he opened uh, with five and two thirds, three homers, four runs. Uh, was a little wobbly his next time out, six and the third, four runs against them in, at home, and then really took off. So it took it took only two starts for Michaelis to get going last year. This year we're three deep and it has been great. Would you buy on Michaelis right now? Because I feel like you can buy a little. The, those who bought in might be saying, "I got I got hoodwinked here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off." <sighs> the price would have to be really cheap, and I think I think you could get that. Uh, like you said, but like I'm not actively, um, I'm not trading anybody that I really like. <laughs> Maybe, uh, and and the only reason is is I'm worried about the slider that was so dominant last year, and just doesn't look the same. And now I'm wondering after saying that with Darvish. And I think maybe one other person, like, I wonder if the feel of the ball is different because uh, we're talking about these juice balls and that they came last time because of the seams. I wonder if people aren't being able to grip the ball as well. So I don't, I don't know. You got to, you got to figure that, that is, I mean, that's part of the ball, the, the, the difference, right? Yeah. Is that it is more slick and so you can't get as good of a grip you and can't get the same movement on, on your breaking pitches. Uh, he needs that, I think, pitch to be the, the guy we saw last year. So uh, I was definitely very encouraged by uh, the uh, uh, by the last start, by seeing him go uh, or go against uh, the Dodgers and, and be very successful and uh, and look like he did last year. So I am encouraged, but I'm not like actively trying to go out and buy necessarily. Yeah, like I, I would, I'd be, I'd be open to it. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think I would necessarily seek out Michaelis, but I'm open to taking a discount in the deal. And of course, it, it depends on what that discount is. But I, I say stay the course here. This is something that I think could turn quickly. Um, even if you didn't really believe that a nine percent homer to fly ball rate was going to hold for him, and it was going to tick up a little bit closer to the average or above average, I think eleven percent is average. I, I don't think 19 is here to stay either. So even if you put him at a little bit above average and say he's a 12, 13 kind of guy, he's not going to allow 2.3 homers per nine. Strikeouts should at least get back to the 18% clip of last year. I, I, I think Michaelis is fine. Instead of maybe advancing, like I thought maybe he could with his, with his strikeout rate, I still think he's going to get back to where he was last year skills-wise and not necessarily put up another 283 ERA but instead be like, I don't know, a 350 from here on out, yeah. 360, and I something like that. I think that's perfectly fair. And if you've got the strikeouts, then you can then you can buy that. All right, so that's, uh, that, that's a little bit of a deeper look on the state of pitching right now. It's been tough. I do want to just keep reminding folks that it is April 11th. Now, that doesn't mean you, you don't care about anything and you don't try to manage your team because then you just get complacent and fall behind. It's really just to make it clear how quickly things can still change. One dominant outing, one terrible outing still flips a guy's line completely. And this is a hitting example, but but uh, I wrote up something the other day about some strikeout uh, improvers, some guys who had really improved their strikeout rate. And I included Joey Gallo. And then last night he goes 0 for 4 with, or 0 for 5 with four strikeouts. 
and almost completely washed away those gains. He went from 26% to 32%, and now he's another couple strikeouts away from being right at the 36, 37 that we've seen. So it, it's that quick. And I, you know, I made yeah, well, that caveat. Like you said, it's even quicker for pitching because most of these guys have only had two to three starts. Exactly. And so you think we're dealing with uh, well, sample sizes of eight, nine, ten games from the hitters, uh, and they can turn on one really bad night, two or three size, you know, size sample size for starts. It can obviously change just like that in, in with pitching too. Yeah. You get, uh, you know, these guys got uh, a lot of these guys that we talked about here had like 15 to 18 innings. So if you give them another a seven inning outing, that's almost half of their their innings. Like, you know, another 50 percent of their inning total being put back on top of it. And all of a sudden you can flip it. So just keep that going. Don't make too many rash decisions on guys uh, because you can end up regretting them. Some of the guys you're going to have to start to make moves on. You can't just sit on your hands forever. The, the bottom line is it's a balancing act, right? We don't have all the answers. Maybe this is the time where you cut a Pavetta and you don't look back uh, and he's not the guy who rebounds, whereas maybe Darvish is or, or whatever the case may be. You know your your own scenario better than ours. Hopefully, we've outlined some scenarios that gives you some guidance on what to do with these guys. So, um, all right, Justin, that's going to do it for us, and we'll be back Monday. Don't forget, I for some reason I didn't think I could create the uh, Tuesday until the end of Monday games, but it's once the Monday games all start, I can create the Tuesday. So look for the the Tuesday DraftKings game on Monday night. I'll post it to Twitter. Justin posts it to Twitter, and then he puts it in the Roto Write-Up, the Facebook group, and it's just kind of all around social media. So if you want to join, by the way, good call on the 100. We filled that easily. Yeah, yeah. That so we're, we're going to stick actually, with 100. I totally forgot to put it in the Roto Write-Up again. So, um, and we didn't even – okay, didn't I even didn't do, even know that. Didn't even get it on the actual site and – uh, and we, and we still it popped a hundred. Yeah. So we might jump more, but for now we'll go a hundred. Yeah, let's I, do I thought... hundred for a little while. Let me build up a bankroll before we start. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right, man. I'll talk to you. Have a great weekend. Take it easy.